we uh, had a wonderful time at the huddle this year. It was probably one of the best, I think. And we had David Guzik, uh, who is a, just a wonderful Bible teacher and, and uh, pastor for many years, and uh, it was just incredible. But one of his messages, uh, and I hope to make these available for anybody who wants them, uh, one of his messages was about being courageous, to be courageous, and he, and he uh, showed us the different times where Jesus uh, talked to people and he told them to be courageous because of all that he'd done and really because all that he was going to do, that he was with them and that. And I really felt, you know, for me, uh, this idea it just really kind of hit me, hit me uh, strongly to be courageous because the job's not done yet. There's still work for you to do. Be courageous and step out and do it. The past has been great. It's been awesome. We've had a lot of good stuff that happened, but there's still the future and, and what God wants to do in the future. And I think that applies to every one of us as well to do what God's called you to do. One of his other messages, uh, and I'm not going to just go through all his messages. I really have something prepared here. I could have just <laughs> gave you all his notes, right, and done that. But one of the things he, the last message he gave was about the body of Christ, and I thought this was very appropriate. He was talking about each part of the body and, you know, how Paul uses the analogy of the human body, how each part of the body is different but important. Each part plays a part. And for, for each of us to find out what, what is my part? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to function in this body? And, uh, you know, he was talking about, you know, that, that uh, each one of us who are believers should have some area of deliberate, intentional ministry. Let me say that again, deliberate, intentional ministry, where you say, this is where I am going to serve. Now, he said, you know, we can have accidental ministry, and that's where, you know, you bump into somebody, and you tell them, and, you, you know, you're, it comes out about who you are. But he said, every person, and so for, for the ministry, for the church, for the leaders of the church to help people find where is that place where you can say, this is where I am serving. And I want you to think about that. Can you say, this is where I am serving? This is where I deliberately put some effort in serving, right? Some of you are going, oh, no, here it comes. He's going to hammer on us now. No, this is how the body functions. You see, if there's a part of our own body, our human body, that isn't functioning, guess what we call that? Disease, right? There's some kind of problem. If your liver isn't functioning, you've got problems, right? So for the whole body, every one of us needs to be functioning or it affects every other part of the body. It's just the way God has set it up. It's the way God has ordained it to be. So let's open our Bibles to Titus chapter 2. We'll pick it up where we left off. Titus chapter 2. We're talking, we're on this uh, series really about sound doctrine, found in Titus chapter 2, starting at verse 1, he says, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. And then, he, and then he goes on to talk to the different age groups, right? Uh, older men, older women, younger women, and today the younger men, the young men. And he talks about these different groups, and, and uh, uh, I was kind of kidding with Tommy uh, back in the back. Uh, he had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Tommy. 
but he's in the older men's section now. Well, he's been there for a couple of years, actually. So if you're over 40, you're in the older section. If you're under 40, you're in the younger section, right? I'm glad that I'm still in the younger section. There are some things that are specific to the different age categories, of course, but there are some things that apply to all of them, as, as we're going to see today. The younger women, he, he, he says that the older women should be teaching the younger women, and, and really, uh, the, the focus was, was uh, to build your home, and uh, that the older woman would teach the younger women to, you know, love their husbands, and that's we, we made that distinction between the agape love, the unselfish love, where here he's talking about that phileo love, which is the uh, be a friend, like. I love you, but I don't like you. That's not going to work. That doesn't, that's what he's saying, make that I love you and I like you. And uh, to your husband and to your children, this companionship and that. He talked about being self-controlled. And some of the versions, we're going to talk about that today. Some of the versions use different words, but we'll, we'll talk about it. He talked about purity. He talked about being busy at home, to be kind. And, and, and out of all of that, he says, so that no one will malign or blaspheme, really, the Word of God. How we live reflects what the Word of God says, or it should. So, Today, we're going to look at Titus chapter 2, verse 6. So let's, let's read that verse together, shall we? He says in verse 6, similarly, similar to all the things he's already been saying, he said, encourage, it also means to exhort the young men to be what? Self-controlled. Some say sober, the old versions say sober. Some say uh, sensible. But the first thing he says is to, to teach the young men, to teach. And I want to I say we, we know that we have a lot of young men, and really this applies for every one of us as well, but the question is, are you teachable? Are you teachable? And I've been saying that about every category, but especially when we're young, we think we, got, like, we, we like know it all. Do you guys know it all yet? Some of them are going like this, and some are going, it's like this. I do that when I, my grandkids ask me something, I'll go like this, and they don't know what I'm going to say, so I just go around in a circle. We get to that place, though, we think that we know it all, you know? But I want to say this, that if we listen, if we really are listening, and we're teachable, and we're listening for God's voice, that we will go far, that you will go far. If you really are teachable and let God teach you and listen for his voice. Now, he's, now notice in verse 6 is the only verse that deals directly with the young men. And so you say, well, is there, is there only one thing that the young men need to learn? I don't know, man. I was a, I was a young man one time, and maybe we need to keep it simple. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. But what does he say there? He talks about self-control. That's what we're going to talk about today. Is that the only thing that young men need to learn? Obviously not. But that's what he focuses on in this passage. That's where he kind of hones in and, and uh, brings out here. One, one uh, 
commentator said this, it's an appropriate word since youth is the time of brimming zeal, restless energy, and burning drives. In every area of life, they need to learn continence and balance. There's something we need to learn. And it's this thing about young, uh, that we need to learn while we're younger. And there's a problem when we get older and we haven't learned those things. Guess what? We're going to read about that. I wrote in my notes here, in every ear of life, like, i got to learn how to spell. It's supposed to be area. Every area of life we need to learn. Again, it gets back to this thing, are we willing to learn? Now, is this idea of self-control, is it only for the young men? No. He has mentioned it for the older men. He's implied it. And you can read back and see, if you don't want to pay attention to me, you can read back and see he's applied it, he's implied it for the older women. And then he specifically said it as well for the younger women. And now he's saying it for the young men. This is something for everyone. So you can't, the rest of you can't say, well, I am over 40, and I'm not a man, so I don't need to pay attention anymore today, or wrong. You know, I, 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 thought, I thought to myself, and when I try to decide, you know, what am I going to, what is the, what do you want me to teach about? What is the, the important thing? I thought, I was going to focus on that, and I thought, you know, that, that's so, that's so, that's easy. You know, that, I could cover that in like five minutes. And then I began to think about it. And then I began to apply it in my own life thinking, oh, no, I think I want to skip over this one. <laughs> but, but it really is for every one of us. Self-control. Let, let's ask ourselves that question. Do we have it? Do I have self-control? And the next question is, do I want it? Well, let's look. What is it? What is it? If you can read that uh, on the screen, the, the ability to control oneself, in particular one's emotions and desires, or the expression of them in one's behavior. So it's kind of what's going on. It's our own emotions, it's our desires, and it's also our behavior, what we do, action. Can we control what we do? Can I control what I do? Can I control if I'm going to get out of control? Can I bring myself into control? A couple of interesting quotes. I, I like this. He is strong who conquers others. He is mighty who conquers himself. You get that? D.L. Moody said this, though. He said, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than with any other man I ever met. Right? We're, you know, we're quick to tell somebody else how they need to control themselves, but are, are we controlling this one, the one that we're in charge of? Someone else said this. Uh, I like this one the best. If you kick the one who causes you most of your troubles, you would not be able to sit down for six weeks. Where is the trouble? It's right here. It's right there with you and with me. But I want to say this, and this is probably the most important thing as we're going through this, as we're talking about it. We're not just given the humanistic kind of approach to this where you've got to get control of yourself. But really that God by His Spirit is what 
we need to become self-controlled, what he's talking about here in this passage. By God's Holy Spirit, the power of God's Holy Spirit. Let me quote to you what it says in Proverbs chapter 25, though. He says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. You know what a city is. We don't, have, we don't have walls around our cities, but if you've ever been to a place that had a, a, a wall around it, you break down that wall and you've got, what do you have? You're, you're open, you're vulnerable. You've got no self-control. There's an attack. You're open to attack. Now, there are three, this, I found this fascinating. Some of you work with kids. Some of you are teachers with kids. I found this very interesting. Three types of self-control issues. And this has to do with teaching young children. Now, that's the context, right? This is for kids. Think about that. But let me tell you, there are three different types of self-control issues. The first one uh, is impulse control. Okay? Impulse control. And what, what is that? It's the ability to stop and think, and I'm getting this from a, a place called understood.org. The ability to stop and think before acting. Now, we're just talking about kids, right? The key benefit allow, allows kids to imagine the consequences of their behavior. And without it, Listen carefully. Without it, kids may interrupt a lot, talk too much, speak out of turn, not get started on homework until close to bedtime, rush through assignments, follow rules one day but not the next, can't control their own impulses. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that list and I thought, that's, hey, wait a minute, that's not just kids. That's us. Stop interrupting me. How many, how many of you put off stuff? Wait till, wait till it's close to bedtime. And, oh, don't do that now. Because why? You were doing this other stuff and you, you weren't thinking about the consequence. You weren't thinking about what, how life was supposed to be at that time. How about the second one? This is uh, interesting too. So we have impulse control. And this is, again, self-control with kids. Emotional control. What it means, the ability to manage feelings by thinking about goals. The key benefit helps kids keep going even when upsetting or unexpected things happen. We have to learn that, right? Kids have to learn that. Now, does that apply to any of you? I'm not sure I can control myself when something unexpected or upsetting comes along. Without, kid, without it, kids may become easily frustrated and quick to give up, be unable to tolerate correction or criticism, find it difficult to calm down and do homework, have trouble postponing play until work is done. That one, I found that one applied to me. Have trouble keeping their cool when someone annoys them. These are just kids. Keep that in mind. What about the last one? Movement control. 
Some of you are, are, are teachers, like I said, and you know exactly what, how these things are all stuff you deal with on a daily basis. Obviously, what does it mean? It means to control body movements, control, control the, actually what your body is actually doing. And the key benefit lets kids regulate their physical actions and response in an appropriate way. Without it, kids may be overly active or restless, have trouble with quiet or seated activity, have trouble, have difficulty staying in line while waiting their turn, <laughs> disrupt games and conversations with their movements, controlling our own bodies. We're supposed to be learning that when we're kids. Now, I don't know about you, but I look around the world and I see all these things are like out of control. And I look at myself and I see some of these things, some of these issues are, are, are something that are out of control that needs to be dealt with, that I need to learn. Can we learn? Do you, do you ever come to a place when you have so much self-control that you never need to learn self-control anymore? How many of you have gotten to that place? Kelly, put your hand down. How many of you really have got to that place where you have, you have got so much self-control you don't need to learn anymore? The Bible says it to the young men here, but as I said, it applies to every one of us. It applies to all. Some of the areas that are talked about in the Bible that are talked about really for us, these key areas that, that uh, affect us, Number one, words. Do we have any self-control over the words that come out of our mouths? How many of you have said something and wish you could have taken it back? How many of you have you had somebody say something to you and, you and it hurt you so deeply and it wasn't even true? Words. Do we have any self-control? You know, you don't need to say everything you think. It's true, right? Even if it's true, it may not be the right time or the place. You may need to think about how you say it before you say it, because if you said it right now, you could really do some damage. Self-control over our words. How about sexual impulses? And this, this goes, in, I talked quite a bit last time about pornography and that. This goes into a lot of different areas. It's, it's that second look. Can you stop before you go to that second look? Can you turn off that program when you see it's going in that certain direction? Can you go away from that website, that relationship that you know is going in a bad direction? Can you, can you show some self-control in this area? Why? Why, you know, why does the Bible teach us about all these things? For our own good and protection. How about food? I don't know about you, but I love to eat. And I love cheesecake. I tell you what. But do you really need that second helping? Or third? Is there any self-control? Now, you know, the truth of the matter is, and I, you know, by, not by choice, but because I have to, I'm having to learn about what I eat and, and what I need to eat and what I can and what I shouldn't eat. Oh, I can eat anything I want to eat, but is it good for me? 
So I'm being forced to do that, but I think we all have to think about things like this, food and, and, and drink. Do I need to have that second drink? Do I need to you know, go that route? Can I show any self-control here? But I love cheesecake. <laughs> I haven't had any for hours. <laughs> it's been weeks. Man, does anybody have any cheesecake by any chance? How about fun? You know, can we have too much fun? Like I said, you, we, we got these impulses. We're going to have so much fun where we don't do what we're supposed to do, what we need to do. Do I have any self-control? How about temper? This is, a, this is a big thing, the temper. Can I control my anger? Or am I going to lose my temper so badly that I'm going to do things? I'm going to say things. I'm going to create all kinds of trouble. I might hurt somebody. I might hurt myself. These things are all talked about in the Bible. These are all biblical areas of self-control. How about finances? Man, I really want that thing. I really want it. I don't need it. And I certainly don't have enough money for it, but I want it so I could just go sign away and, and you know, mortgage my future for it because I really can't show any self-control over that piece of plastic in my back pocket. Is that a problem? For any of you? No? Oh, come on, let's get real. You know, self-control, I mean, it's, it, it, it applies to so many aspects. Someone said this, said this uh, self-control was a manifestation of God's Spirit, which touched every aspect of daily living. Every aspect of daily living, you know, like, like on the way here. I had to show self-control. There was yard sale sign after yard sale sign. And, and, and I have to confess to you, I drove into one of them. I failed. So I was thinking about that on the way, and I said, no, don't keep driving. You know, it's like I'm, I'm starting to sweat, you know. And then I saw one right over here, close by. I said, well, it's close to the church. I'm almost here. I can go in. I can be, I'll be in there like four minutes. I didn't even buy anything. It was all junk. But I could you know, I might have missed something. That's the problem. That's why I can't show I might miss something that's really, really good. But I can sell later and make money, make money on it. This is what I say about this. God help us. Not about yard sales, about everything, about self-control. We need God's help. That's, that's, again, the bottom line is that to have God helping us in this whole area, our impulses, our emotional control, our movement control, what we do, what we say, what we think, how we feel. We say, well, I can't control any of that stuff. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, I can. If, if the Bible talks about these being areas that we need to be, have control over, guess what? If God asks us to do something, guess what He does? He gives us the help 
to do what he asks us to do. I have seen that true over and over in the last 41 years. If God asks us to do something, he's going to provide a way, the strength, the ability, whatever it is to actually do what he asks us to do. That verse about temptation, you know, there's no temptation, you know, except that's common to man that, you know, that, that if everybody faces a temptation, but well, what does it say? That God will provide what? A way out. And so he provides the way out. The, the, the way is there if we'll only take it. Let me, uh, and, and I don't, I was kind of debating whether this would be helpful or not, but there are two main words for self-control in the New Testament. Two main words. And the one that's used here is this word uh, sophron. And many Greek words are, are, are like combination words, or that's not the real word, where you have two words that are put together. What's that called? Compound. Compound. Thank you. I had the first part right. But I am old now. I'm over 40. Just a couple years. So... Many, many Greek words are compound words, and this is a compound word, and it, and it comes from two words. Uh, the S-O is the first word, and it's really a shortened form of sozo, S-O-Z-O. And the second word is fron. And the word sozo is the word for salvation. It's the word for being saved. It's what makes you safe. It, it's what makes you sane. And that's why some of the versions translate this word as sensible or sane. A sane mind, some are, are translating. But I like, when I saw that, I said, I like what it, it, it talks about this being saved, that this is something that is going to affect our ability to have self-control. I believe that. I believe that God working in my life is going to help me have self-control in these areas. But the second half of the word is the word fron, and, and it's a a form of the word where we get our word for diaphragm. You know your diaphragm? Where is it? Like, like over here? Over here? Up here? No, it's like right here, right? And they teach you when you're supposed to sing properly, which, you know, I never learned that, but you're supposed to sing from your diaphragm because it's like the deepest part of it. It's right in there. And though some translations use the word mind, it really is the middle it's like right in the very center of you, this place where God has saved you from the inside, and, and He's in the very heart of who we are, He has saved us, and He's working in that area to help us in this particular, in these areas. You see what I'm saying? The Bible Hub said this, it, it, he talks about the inner organ that regulates physical life, controlling breathing and heartbeat. It's like that in, inner thing that is keeping this all working. But someone else said this, the inner outlook which regulates the outward behavior. You see, it's something that's in us before it ever gets to, to the outer part of us. So if God is asking us and He's wanting us to learn, young men, young women... Older men, older women, if he's wanting us to learn self-control, we need to know that God, by his Holy Spirit, is actually working in the very deepest part of me to bring that self-control. Now, what, what's our part in that? We need to pray, absolutely. We need to listen, and we need to yield to him. By his Holy Spirit, what is he doing? He's changing us from the inside out. 
Are we listening? Here's a scripture that, another scripture that uses that same word. It says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and what? Self-controlled from at the inside so that you can pray. So that you can pray. It affects us in a lot of ways. Now, the second word, let's move along here, running out of time. The second word is called egretia. And this is the word, we're going, to, we're going to see it in Galatians 5, we're going to see it in 2 Timothy 3. This word is also a compound word. The first part, egg, means in. And the second part of kratia is a form of the word that means strength or might and power. Do you see where I'm going with this? Some of you are following me, some of you are going, sounds like Greek to me. This idea that in us, in the very part of us, there's some strength there to do what God wants us to do, to have self-control. Now, is it just me? Is it my own strength? No, it's not. As, we, as we'll see in Galatians 5, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So He will give us the strength that we need, and, and He's working in us, and, and it's a lifelong thing. It's Again, it's not just something you learn when you're young, but when you're older, you need to learn that. You need to be honest. Well, do I really have any self-control in this particular area? Maybe, maybe there's certain areas you're very disciplined, very self-controlled in, but other areas where you say, wow, I need, I, God, you need to help me here. Again, back to that slide about God help me. God help us. Well, let's turn. I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We'll see that word there. We're going to look at Galatians 5 and then 2 Timothy, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. Galatians chapter 5. We really have two lists here in Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> But the context is really the Holy Spirit of God in our lives and living by that Holy Spirit and letting that Holy Spirit be the the motivating force and the the controlling nature within us. So look at verse 16. We're going to read this quickly. He said, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature or the flesh. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature, they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. He said, there's a battle going on. There's a battle taking place. And it's a very real battle. And, you know, we have three enemies, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil. And one of them is our own flesh, our own sinful nature we're battling against. But the Holy Spirit is also there to show us the right way. The flesh... Verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature of the flesh are obvious. And think about whether these are uh, being in control, self-control, or out of control. Should be obvious, right? Sexual immorality. That includes everything outside of marriage between a man and a woman. Impurity. Debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, 
dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, that's quite a list. But, getting back to what he started with in verse 16, he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. It's like you read the first list and you go, wow, man, oh. And then you get to verse 22 and you read that and you go, wow, there's like something so incredible about the fruit of the Spirit. He says love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, the sinful nature, with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want, to, I want, to be, I want that in my life. I want people to see that in my life. Notice the last thing in that whole list is self-control. It's the same word that we're reading in Titus. Within us, this might, this strength that comes by the Holy Spirit of God to be in control, to do the right thing. Let's turn to 2 Timothy again now. That's back close to where we were, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And think about again, what's, which category is in control, which are... What do we see here? He said, chapter 3, verse 1, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, and here's the word in the negative, without self-control. Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. That's pretty much the statement of our world today, isn't it? There's no self-control. We've pretty much written that out. You can pretty much do whatever you want to do. It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter at all. But I want to say to you that I, I believe God, God's Word teaches us that it really does matter how you and I as believers, if God has saved us in the very depths of our being, we're born again, He's wanting to do something within us with this whole subject, this whole area. And I, I know that I'm just scratching the surface of this for sure, but it's, it's, it's an area that I think, again, as we just begin to think about, as we begin to ask ourselves, let's turn back to Titus chapter 2 as we wrap this up. We'll read ahead a little bit. Verses 11 and 12. He has to bring it up again. But this time he talks about the grace of God. Verse 11, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And it teaches us to say, to, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present, present age while we wait for the blessed hope, 
the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The grace of God, it teaches us. It teaches us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the grace of God. His unmerited favor to say no to ungodliness. But you might hurt someone's self-esteem if you teach them that they need to say no. God is teaching us to say no. This isn't, this, is some, this isn't some worldly psychology. This is what the Bible says. We need to learn to say no. It's okay to say no. Because it says it here, right? This is what the Bible said. The grace of God, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled lives. A couple of uh, quotes we'll end with. I'll put them up on the screen. You can read along with me. Self-control, and this is a, a man named David Mathis. Uh, he says, is self-control learning to maintain control of the beast of one's own sinful passions? You just do that once? It's all done? No, it's our whole life. To maintain control of the beast. I like that. Of one's own sinful passions passions. How about this? He says it presumes at least two things. One, the presence of something within us that needs to be bridled. Yes, we just read that in Galatians, this, this flesh, this sinful nature, it wants a lot of different things. And two, the possibility in us or through us for drawing on some source of power to restrain it. Is that your own strength, your own power, my own strength? No, it's the power of God. It's got to be the power of God or you're not going to make it. You can't do it. And finally, his last quote, true self-control is a gift from above produced in and through us by the Holy Spirit. We want to control ourselves in the power that he supplies. We can find strength in the strength of another. That's him in the strength of God. So, self-control. We need to let God by his spirit help us in this area. First of all, we need to know we need help. This is part of the problem where we say, well, I don't really need any help in that area. I can just close my ears on this one. I don't think so. I think it affects every single person in this room young and old. So for us to let God by His Spirit, let God by His Spirit to, to bring that strength in the very deepest part of us to say no. And He'll teach us when to say yes too. It's not all just no. You know, the, the worldly thing, you know, just say no to drugs. What makes a difference in you turn for Christ is because they say no, but they have the power of Christ living in their lives. The power of Jesus Christ in their lives to say no. That's what makes the difference. That's why a program like U-Turn for Christ is so successful, and the worldly secular programs are very minimally successful. There's a big difference. Why? It's the power of Jesus Christ in our lives that makes the difference. Self-control. Think about it. 
His strength in the heart of who we are. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and uh, it's very challenging. We've looked at some tough areas even in that list of areas that we have to deal with. And some of us are struggling even today in some of those areas. Maybe it's food and drink. Maybe it's temptation. Maybe it's our, our temper or, or the words that we use or, or money, dealing with money. We just can't get any control. Lord, I pray, I pray for each one of us that you'd help us to be learning and growing in this area and that you would help us by your power, the power of your Holy Spirit, the fruit of your Spirit in our lives, bringing that true self-control. It's really a kind of God control, Lord. It's where you, you call the shots. Where we say, like Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. And I repeat it again, God help us. God, please help us. We can't do it on our own. I want to pray too this morning, Father, for any here that need to be reconciled with you, that need to have a relationship with you that do not have one yet. And I want to say that God wants to have a relationship with you. He, he, he did everything he could do to make it possible by sending his son Jesus to die for you. So he says, please come and be reconciled with me. And all you need to do is receive his son, Jesus Christ, and say, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my life today. I want peace with God. I'm tired of running, tired of fighting. I want peace with God today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.